Thirsty? You've come to the right place to wet your whistle. It's the Liquid Lifestyle with Ryan McGarrian, a full hour of liquid refreshment. Now, here's Ryan. All right, what's cracking, my thirsty listener? So, at the sound of my voice is flowing into your ears like a bracing and well-balanced bourbon Manhattan, you know that you're riding the earth here with me at the Liquid Lifestyle on the Radio Northwest Network. And as always, I am your host and honor, bartender Ryan McGarrian. And if you're joining us for the very first time, this little show of mine is generally dedicated to all things liquid and delicious, along with the occasional foray into other relevant areas of pop culture that I think you might enjoy, be them right here in the city of roses, hops, and hipsters, or as you might have experienced in past episodes, parts far, 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 far beyond. All right, so today the mobile studio is parked inside my little pizza and cocktail crushing oasis here in Portland's Pearl District. I'm talking about Oven and Shaker, and I'm uh, really excited to ride shotgun with a good friend and someone who has really been, I think, kind of a guardian and gatekeeper of the kind of ongoing story of uh, pop culture here in Portland, but not just Portland, just throughout Oregon. I don't know anybody who uh, has a love for our city and our state and all that's going on and has more talent in conveying that story than my man Byron Beck. Byron, how you feeling today? I'm good, I'm good. Wouldn't you call those brand ambassadors in your culture? I am a brand ambassador for Portland, much like uh, you've been brand ambassador for other brands. Uh, I do have to describe what Ryan's wearing today. Ryan is wearing a pair of very tiny shorts. It's very cold out today, and he's wearing these like skin-tight shorts today with uh, an army jacket, which looks really good on him, but I mean... Uh, Ryan, I've always had a huge uh, man crush on uh, Ryan ever since I took a picture of him in another pair of shorts in a, 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 in a kiddie pool in the parking lot at 24-Hour Fitness a long time ago, back when he was just a wee bartender at OBA. Man, all right, so much to just break down and unpack from that first little moment here with my man Byron Beck. Uh, let's talk about the, uh, I don't think these shorts are that tight, but they are a little tight. I do They're, like the fitted look, and it is so, Let's you know, just say they don't leave any room for the imagination. Okay, fair enough, and uh, I knew this was going to be a unique departure from our uh, standard <laughs> interviews, and, and I'm not being disappointed, so, uh, and we got to go back. So, you know, our first, I mean, that was like good grief, man. I can remember that uh, very uh, day. It was 24-hour fish fitness, man. I, I was crushing those weights, or trying to crush those weights and you roll in you're like hey can i gotta shoot this uh photo for the oregonian and and uh being the kind of brave soul that i am there i am in the parking lot carrying that uh in beach ball tiny 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 pair of shorts yeah tiny ch- and of course that was the back in the day when you could get away with stuff like this the oregonian i had a, a column there and it was dedicated to shopping but it was also my opportunity to get men in various states of clothing and ryan was was very game about it you know, ryan's always been kind of that metro before the metros were metro he he's always you he always thought gosh you, i know he likes women there's no question he likes women but maybe if you got maybe a couple drinks in him you could get maybe like to second base oh my goodness well have you, wow. ever to, have you ever gotten to second base with a guy? No, I haven't. No, oh, you're so full of lies. Oh, <laughs> it's so good to be chatting with you, man. Uh, so we meet uh, at 24-Hour Fitness. Yeah. and uh, You were working at OBA then? I was working at OBA. This is 1997, and, uh, 97, 98, and uh, I'd love for you to 
walk us through kind of, uh, I'd actually, let's go back. Tell me about where you grew up and, and you know, because oh, I want to kind of set the stage wants, for, Nobody wants to know No, that. but I want to kind of set okay, the stage. So I, I don't a, know a ton. I mean, I mean, you and I are good my, buddies. My great-great-grandparents were uh, very, uh, I come from good servant stock. My uh, great-grandmother was the governess for Ulysses S. Grant's grandchildren. And my great-grandfather was uh, his son's carriage driver. No, are you? You're serious. I'm totally serious. Whoa! And so we ended up in the Dalles, the Dalles, Oregon, where I was born, where my family's from. We ended up in the Dalles because they went on a honeymoon to Tacoma, uh, from uh, the Grant Mansion, which I think was in San Diego. And they, uh, when they got married, uh, they went on a honeymoon to Tacoma. They worked together 12 years before they got married. Sidebar: um, that they ended up, we ended up, uh, they fell in love with the Dalles, and at the time. Oregon was a very different Oregon. It was the turn of the last century, and Oregon's uh, little sounds like Astoria and the Dalles were really, really hopping places. And um, so that's, I, I mean, I grew up in the Dalles. Uh, my family's been there. But I also grew up in a lot, uh, mm, let's just say the towns got smaller and uh, less diverse. And so uh, that's, uh, I eventually ended up in Portland, Oregon. Uh, and how old, how old were you when you really started to put roots down here in P-Town? Oh, January 1st, uh, 1983, at 1 o'clock in the afternoon, I moved into the Fordham Apartments at 742 Southwest Vista. Uh, Dude, this is why you're so good at what you do, is you're, you are just an absolute, you have such a talent for, like, I, the details of a story in your life. I, I mean, it's fun to just sit and talk to you, because little things about that just are coming out. So you're, so you're, so I, I, I moved to uh, Portland because at the time I was studying to be an actor, which I wasn't very good at, in Washington State at University of Washington. I worked very hard to get loose. I worked very hard to get into the University of no University of Washington. Oh, oh, Not sorry, WS. yeah, I suck. Oops. You're, you're thinking of Pullman. I was yeah. that was where my sister went. Um, no, I ended up in uh, uh, Portland because I couldn't get into bars. Bringing it back to the liquid lifestyle, I couldn't get into bars in uh, Seattle, and so I moved back, moved to Portland because I was underage and I could get into bars. But the moment, the moment I moved back, uh, and I went and tried to get in a bar. You know, I'm, I'm all moved in. I'm ready to. To live my life, really uh, tear it up. Uh, I could not get into any bars, and that's when it was. It's, but I, I mean, I was only supposed to be here for three months, and that was what thirty-three years ago. Thirty, okay. yeah, thirty-three years ago. Three months to thirty-three years. Yep, that's and, right. So you're in Portland. What's your? Fr- I mean, so you know, you've been a writer uh, for publications well, around town. Portland was a very different Portland then. That was the yeah. Let's talk. That was totally, the. Please. I would call that the Gus Van Zant years. I mean, uh, Old Town was uh, uniquely. Uh, trashy, not trashy the way it is today, where it's kind of scary trashy. That was kind of like original trashy, and uh, you had. I'm si- totally borrowing that for a cocktail name, original trashy. But uh, but it's like you had Satyricon, which was a punk club, and that's where all the really great bands would play, and um, gays and straights, and everybody hung out there. You um, you had really weird little grocery stores, and you had poetry, and you had. Um, a really um, a wonderful city, uh, and I remember just we had a gay street back then. That was when Stark Street was not uh, uh, Hipster Avenue. It was uh, just uh, part of the. Uh, I think we called it the Burnside Triangle, and it was uh, the original where all the gay people came to hang out, including me. And um, 
and you know we'd run really fast if we saw a bunch of frat boys but we you know eventually all change portland has changed over the years so much that if i was to ask my little underage guy to come back to portland today i don't know if he would stay really oh my goodness it's uh it's so cool to like just hear you walk through those kind of when you talk about Satyricon and and the original trashy of Old Town. I remember going to the Satyricon and yeah, that's like Nirvana played yeah, there yeah, and yeah. Soundgarden. Like it was a big deal. And remember what was it? Fratelli next door. What was the place next door? You could get sandwiches to two a.m. Remember uh, that place? No, it was called. It wasn't Fratelli's because no, Fratelli, I know not Fratelli's, but it was it's uh, Fellini's. Fellini's, yes, it was Fellini's, and that was uh, George's um, extension of Satyricon into the food. Uh, and so yeah it, it, you know and it was it, you know the food, it wasn't much of a foodie town then uh, we had Zephyro Zephyro was very good it's where I would feel uh, so we're at like 95 right now yeah Zephyro was amazing Zephyro was on 21st and uh, I think Gleason and um, it's the kind of place where even as a, a single guy you felt comfortable walking in there and just sitting in a bar and having a uh, plate of risotto and a really 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 good glass of wine and just hanging out by yourself because that's where the world came through. I mean, I remember seeing Uma Thurman in there with uh, River, uh, no, Rain Phoenix, and um, a bunch of other celebrities would pop in there every once in a while. So it was the place to be. Dude, that's so exciting. Once again, we're chatting with Byron Beck, the guardian of great Portland and Oregon culture over the past 20 to 30 years. And uh, What has been your favorite uh, uh, bar over the last 30 years? And not you can't name your own. You know what? Great question. And, uh, you know, we are going to answer that in uh, the second round because I just looked down and realized we're coming on, uh, coming up to the end of our first round. And uh, I'm excited to talk uh, the mid-90s Portland restaurant scene with Byron Beck here uh, in just a moment. Welcome back to the Liquid Lifestyle here on the Radio Northwest Network. Uh, I asked you a question. I asked you, you have to answer my question. In excellent. the last 30 years, what's your favorite bar uh, of all time? And you can't name your own. Dude, jumping right in once again with Byron Beck. And that question, uh, oh gosh, you know what? you got to answer it. I know. Uh, I'm going to say Zephyro as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you said that it's a restaurant that, can I have worked at it? Yes. Okay, so Bima for me. Yeah. So a little bit, you know, for I those. I Bima. Chris Halloran and Margot, and that was the place to be. Um, yeah. yeah. Dude, I'd love to talk a little Bima with you. Uh, do you Bima remember Burger. your first? Dude. Bima. Yeah, Bima Burger, Bima Burger, Bima Burger. The Bima Burger, the absolutely indefatigable fish tacos, mm-hmm. Margot's soups, that chipotle pecan, that thing was off the freaking bus. Uh, a little background on that. I don't know if you know this, Byron, but, uh, you know, I started bartending in 96 at Club Med after a year of massive moral degradation. What? Right? Uh, I'm sure you can picture that. Uh, I had kind of just c- really couldn't look at myself in the mirror anymore and uh, wanted to come back to... Yeah, because you're probably wearing really, really short shorts. Uh, I actually was. I had these little polo sport things that I wore yeah. around, and I actually rocked... Top it- Gun! Oh, wait, wait. What was the, what's the name of that movie? Well, there was Top Gun. 
But the one with the bartender. Uh, oh, cocktail. Cocktail. Yeah. Yeah, I have a feeling you were very. Yeah, cocktail. I was. I was. I could flip bottles. I rocked a perio on a sunny day. Yeah, I admit it. But uh, when I got back, uh, I ended up getting hired at Bima, and that's where I went from kind of this. And this kind of plays into the whole story of the cocktail renaissance versus pre-renaissance, where you know when I learned to bartend, it was about entertaining the guests, creating connections, and being technically proficient and moving fast and being like almost like a great tennis player. When I worked at Bima, that was my first exposure to fresh ingredients and the idea that a cocktail can rival food and great wine and kind of culinary experience. And yeah. dude, Bima was the best, man. Yeah. You- I, uh, I was a bartender once. I was a bartender at, uh, for Bill Dickey. Bill Dickey used to own a bunch of bars. He started at uh, Virginia Cafe. He didn't own them. He managed them. And then he ended up owning a bunch of bars like Dick's. And uh, there was one, I think, called Max's. Uh, and um, Not Okay, go ahead. Do you know what I'm talking about? I don't know. When you say Max's, I think of this rock and roll bar in no, Eugene, no, no, but I know no, that's no. not Max's what you... Max's was in uh, Saturday Market, or I don't remember if it was Max's, but all I remember is that I was really, really bad, and I had absolutely no training, and I remember my last day was when I broke a glass in the ice thingy. Mm-hmm. I broke a glass in where all they kept all the ice, and it was a Saturday, and there was like a ton of people down there for Saturday Market. I was like... I guess I'm done. I guess I'm done. That was so. I, I was think I was a bartender for a week, for a week. That and was. what was your favorite thing before you broke that glass and moved on to become the kind of pop culture giant that you are now? What was your favorite thing about being behind the stick, man? I hated it. Or you just flat out I hated, hated it. I, I, it. I was too short, too fat. Uh, I was there was I was just I, I was not I was not I was left-handed. Everything seemed to be built for tall, svelte, well-hung men like you. <laughs> Oh, man. See, this is why I love hanging out with Byron. It makes me feel so... It just makes me feel so good about myself. And uh, once again... Well, you are an attractive man. And I have to wonder if you have vampire blood in you because you absolutely don't age. You've never aged. Uh, Do you get any sleep at night? Oh, man. That is... uh, Man, I struggle with sleep, man. Uh, I'm still learning to manage... The, the stress of this industry and the expectations people have of me. And I'm in kind of interesting you say that. I know I've been in a season of trying to, to, to find healthier ways to, uh, to, 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 to balance all this stuff out. But uh, I find a great way to relieve yourself is to, uh, uh, well, I, just say, I know where you're going with yeah, this, yeah, man. Yeah, we, got, a, we got to keep this alpha media friendly. Uh, so let's just say that there are ways that guys know how to take care of themselves. And so I, I would just suggest that, but my understanding is that it's not something you like to do. So uh, 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 I would suggest, uh, I, you know, uh, going to bed earlier and maybe getting up in the middle of the night. And, you know, I, I, I suggest maybe, I know that you're, in, I mean, you probably go, what, what's your average? At, see, this is a weird thing about you. You don't age, but you don't go to bed before four, right? No, that's actually not true. I am, uh, I'm more of a day person. I love my mornings. I love, uh, you know, I'm up about eight o'clock. I go, I, I try to get to bed by 11 or 12. I, I live a day life, believe it or not. I'm not out, I'm not out skulking around, you know. You used to be, you used to be doing that a lot. Oh yeah, I used to get out there and tear it up. So, There's no uh, question about that. Could you get by on, what's the least amount of sleep you can get by on? Three hours, but man, then I'm just not functioning. I'm not. I'm not able to show people the love they deserve with three hours. So I just, you know what? I just. Uh, I probably need to down the coffee a little bit and uh, and 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 create. You know, I, I've heard this term uh, sleep uh, hygiene and getting consistency, and I probably need to do more. It's called beauty sleep. Beauty sleep, man. Yeah. 
Uh, Byron Beck always making me feel great about myself. And uh, if we can, I'd love to turn the spotlight back on Portland in the late 90s sure, because sure, there's yeah. very few people. And we've had a few people on the show who can really speak to that. You know, Mark Joseph and Lucy Brennan. Yes, I love them. People I just adore and who have been enormous. I remember when uh, Mark Joseph was uh, voted, he had the best butt in Portland. It was in the Willamette Week. And, uh, yeah, he that's when he was working at uh, the place on 21st. Uh, uh, oh, dude, Casa, uh, 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 Casa you betcha. Casa you betcha. And then Lucy, when she used to work uh, behind the bar at Zephyro, and she, that, that's where I really learned about cocktails was through Lucy. Was And Kathy, she, F- Kathy Flick, too. Remember her? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they were doing stuff that no one else was doing. And they were trying experiments, and they were actually charging for real drinks, you know. And so it was a, it was a very different experience drinking behind in front of Lucy's bar. Uh, and, you know, she ended up becoming a rock star. Yeah, she is a rock star. She was just on the show recently, and we still hang out. And I, uh, you What's know, she I, doing now? She's, uh, she's taking a break. She's uh, teaching cocktail classes. Once again, we're talking about Lucy Brennan, one of Portland's, I think, Portland's grand dame of a beverage, uh, specifically cocktails. And she is, uh, uh, yeah, she's taking a break. She sold 820 in Mint. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but I always say, you know, she's such a pioneer. I mean, how many bartenders have, you know, from basically moving here at, from from another country with not really any help, you know, risen in a craft, took a huge risk in a really strange place to open and have success in a restaurant, wrote a book, uh, became, uh, I think it was 2006, voted like one of the five most relevant people in cocktails. I mean, few people have had the impact and success that Lucy Brennan has had. Has what was had, your right? favorite dive bar of the 90s? Oh, my goodness. What was my favorite dive bar of the 90s? I hate to say it, but I do more dive bars now than I did in the 90s. In the oh. 90s, I was more like... Pretentious? You know, uh, probably. And you could probably throw arrogant and, <laughs> and self, self-stupid. self And I don't know. There's, yeah. I, I, was very immature. I was very immature. There's a lot of great dive bars. There's been a lot of great dive bars in Portland's history. And, uh, uh, you know, it's so funny. You uh, There's... I, I'll tell you a bar that is not a, neither a dive bar nor a fancy bar, but was the quintessential Portland bar of the 1990s, was the bar that everyone thought of as the place to be, and that was the Vat and Tonser. The Vat, I remember that, and I can't even picture that. Can you draw me a picture of that? Sure, sure. It was next to uh, uh, downtown. It was on Southwest Park. Sorry to cut you off, Byron. We're just running up against the end of the second round. We'll have the third round for you all in just a moment. And welcome back to The Liquid Lifestyle here on the Radio Northwest Network. Hope you are enjoying a beautiful Saturday afternoon. The clouds have rolled in this week, uh, and it feels pretty good if you ask me. But, uh, you know, maybe you're uh, just sitting around drinking a Manhattan or who knows, maybe an ice-cold San Pellegrino. Doesn't matter. We're chatting with Byron Beck, uh, one of Portland's uh, favorite sons who's been a documenter of Portland pop culture from drinks to music to the arts for decades and uh, what one of the most I think fun conversations we've had on the show ever and uh, at the end of the last uh, segment we were talking about dive bars in the 90s and man you brought up the vat and tonsor I it's remember it's not a dive bar it's not a dive bar oh oops All right. yeah, it's not a dive bar it was more of it was I, it just was the Portland bar of I guess from the 70s to probably the 90s the vat and tonsor was the place to be for uh, the cool people and it was on Southwest Park Avenue. It was uh, next to an IHOP, uh, next to Hamburger Mary's when Hamburger Mary's was on the corner of 
I guess that would have been Taylor and Park. Uh, there was a really cool rock and roll, uh, Fashions was right next to there, and a really great record store. And there was the Vattentanzer, and the Vattentanzer was run by a wonderful old French woman who ended up having to be leaving the country, I forgot why, and uh, had something to do with the immigration. And um, she had the coolest uh, situation, and I remember that's where everybody who was anybody would go after any event uh, to the Vattentanzer, and it had just really um, great drinks. I, I actually wasn't drinks. I think it was just wine. I think it was just wine, if I remember right. I think it was only wine, and then really great, like, potatoes and, like, uh, very rustic food from France. Oh, wow. Just just a classic Portland. I, I never went. I remember reading about it. There's just... Uh, I'm trying to remember where I hung out back in the 90s. TGIF, really, right? Were you at the TGIF? Well, actually, I've never sat at a bar at TGIF, and, and I look like I probably should have worked there, frankly, especially back in 97 when I had the ponytail. And you met me just post-ponytail. Yes, I used I to rock a big gladiator ponytail. I actually back. knew you then. I bet I saw you from a distance, and it was that ponytail that kept me away. Oh, I don't blame you. It's amazing that uh, Chris Holleran even hired me for that gig back then, but... Uh, Oh my gosh, once again, we're chatting with Byron Beck, and uh, I'd like to actually move with you from, there's just enormous kind of nationwide, worldwide kind of renaissance and, and vibe and kind of culinary uh, perspective, but more importantly, you're probably the best guy I know to talk about Portland going from what I call Eddie Bauer Portland to what we kind of have now, and you're probably going to hate me saying this, but more of the kind of Portlandia Portland. Where, where did we, in your opinion, this is this may take a little time to suss out together, but where did that transition happen? I mean, I look at like Bima and then Oba, that's when we started at least from a bar or nightlife perspective to move towards having a big city vibe, but this is what I talk about a lot, is that back then, Portland hadn't really created an identity for itself or hadn't become a brand so all the cool places Oba and Bima and Pazzo they were more like escapes from Portland where today the the cooler the place the more Portland it is when did we start in your mind becoming the brand that we are you know what I'm saying started growing beards I mean it really had to do with the beard culture and it had to do with a couple other things that were uh, associated with more of what was happening on inner southeast um it's tough to put a finger on it, right? Well, the Portlandia culture, which is the keep Portland weird culture, really has very little to do with alcohol and has a lot to do with rock and roll. And I think that what's interesting about how the rock and roll, uh, a friend of mine, really beautiful friend of mine named Heidi, used to live here at the height of the rock and roll culture when everybody went to clubs and everybody went out dancing. We go to La Luna. Uh, I got spit on by Eddie Vedder at La Luna one night, really late in the night. I did. He spit right on my face. Um, um, and that was the thing. I mean, we it was about going out. And when it moved to food, was a little post-Zephyro, but Zephyro was a fine, uh, fine dining establishment. It, when it became more, I, I, I'm going to say... Uh, Maybe bit. the Ripe Restaurant Group would would have been like a marker, yeah, with Michael Hebb and Naomi Pomeroy. Remember when they were doing all that stuff, Gotham Building and the family dinners and all that? Yeah, I mean, it's that's when it became, that's when uh, the rock and roll, food became rock and roll. That is when food became rock, and when it became transgressive or it became uh, rebellious. Uh, I have to say Kathy was a very big part of that. Uh, Kathy Wims was a very big part of of the transgressive uh, because she was doing stuff that no one else was doing. Um, 
uh, it's weird to say that it was Genoa. Uh, and these restaurants were changing how we were eating and drinking. I do say Gotham Tavern was uh, a Tommy uh, habits when he was at uh, Gotham. And yeah, so many legends were like being cultivated. Morgan Brownlow, a few other cats, right? Yeah. And, but really, uh, uh, it's so hard, but really, uh, the food, and there are so many people who think they can take credit for uh, this revolution in food and uh, this new appreciation of uh, basically cascading cuisine. Um, but you know what? They can't take credit for it because it was all of us. It was all the people that were uh, feeding the people, writing about the food. Uh, I would, I, I can't, I, I, to me though, ultimately what happened was in my friend, going back to my friend Heidi, who lived in San Francisco for the last 15 years, when she came back, I mean, she realized that people don't go out to hear music anymore. They go out to eat food because that's the new rock and roll. And that's the new kind of like, I mean, the Gabe Ruckers, the leather stores, I, I, I think I would have to say maybe Gabe Rucker was a big part of, and Lay Pigeon were a big part of how that started changing. Gregor Gorday when he was at Saucebox. Um, uh, Man, Saucebox was a turning point in like the cocktail scene here, along with Lucy, huh? Remember, dude, I remember when Saucebox first, that was the coolest bar in the country, in my opinion, in 98 and 99, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah, and uh, yeah, and I mean, and you have to give some credit to the old school people that were doing stuff that were different than and really encouraging the thing that is the bane of a lot of restaurants existence, which is happy hour. And that was uh, the dearly departed Doug Schmick from McCormick and Schmick. He is, I love that guy, man. Yeah. You know, he recently passed away from uh, cancer. and But he was a guy who just dis, uh, decided that you can make money off a dollar ninety five or I think it was dollar ninety five hamburgers uh, back then. And um at McCormick and Schmicks, at Jake's and places like that. And that really, uh, happy hour culture and like, uh, what was her name? Barfly, who had a really great happy, uh, that, uh, that guide was so sweet, man. And it was really important because it's where you would go. It was actually a, a booklet and you would, uh, use that to go to know where, what happy hour places to go to. Um, um, yeah, I mean, really, and I would say did, Cocktails, as much as food, have become rock and roll too. Or where, where uh, places like Rum Club, uh, places like uh, what would be another place? Well, without a doubt, teardrop down the street from where we're sitting right now, Clyde Common and Jeffrey. I mean, there's no doubt that the the bartender who chooses to to really take the craft aspect seriously is being respected. You know, at the same level, some of the great chefs are. And I mean, is Ryan? I was going to say, is Ryan? Is Ryan? But is uh, Jeffrey? I mean, Jeffrey is like a rock star. Uh, if anybody's I, a rock star, right in our industry. Well, and you, both of you are. I mean, uh, I would say he's your Robert Plant to your Jimmy Page. You know? Wow. I mean, I, I mean, I would say you guys are both like huge uh, rock stars. It's better than saying you're his George Michael to his Elton John. So I, I'll just stick with the Robert Plant. <laughs> that uh, was awesome. Jimmy Page uh, analogy. But yeah, I would say that food is the new music in Portland, Oregon. 
Yeah, I totally agree with that. Once again, we're chatting with Byron Beck, and I use a term, you know, we do have some great sports. We have the Timbers, we have the Blazers, but Portland has just become a place where you come for flavortainment, and uh, it's been really fun, and I love how you talked about Le Pigeon, because to me, Le Pigeon was that next-level Zephyro uh, in a lot of ways, and, and it really represented that you can do world-class, like, three Michelin-star-level food, but in a super casual environment, and I feel like that's what I, you know, that's, I, it, fine dining, do you feel like fine dining's going the way of the... Uh, of the dinosaur here? Um, no, I actually don't. I went to a couple of new places. Dame, which is on Killingsworth. I'm super ex- natural wines, right? Uh, Dana Frank uh, and Jane Smith. Uh, it is amazing, and I think that we can still have fine dining experiences. My favorite restaurant in the city is a place called Radar. It's on North Mississippi, where it does kind of, it's not, it's very fine dining, but it's very casually presented. Um, I'd like to talk about the future. Do we have time to talk about the future? We've got tons of time to talk about the future. Uh, we're actually coming up against the end of our uh, third round here, so it's going to be perfect. We've got a whole fourth round final segment to talk about where P-Town's going uh, under the authority of Byron Beck, and we are, uh, we're just having a blast. It's one of the best chats we've ever had here on the show. <laughs> Back at you for the final round in a moment. And welcome back to the Liquid Lifestyle here on the Radio Northwest Network, where I am sitting here with my good buddy Byron Beck, and we are talking P-Town. We're getting deep. We're talking about specifically about the pop culture elements, uh, food and drink, uh, most notably. But uh, we might get into a little uh, music and arts here in the final segment. But, you know, let's talk about the future of Portland. We've been talking about the past. Uh, where are we go? I mean, like, you, you have your finger in so many elements of once uh, a- uh, Come here. i got to tell you. i got to tell you. Uh, we're going to Astoria. So I, I tell you, this is what's happening in Portland. And Bring actually, it. Um, Portland is expanding uh, its borders. And we know that a lot of people are moving here. A lot of it's actually getting kind of uh, crowded, and so where are the new Albertas? Where are the new Hawthorns? Where are the new Division Streets? You can't put a new restaurant on Division Street. There's no room. You can't put a restaurant on Alberta Street. There's no room. So where are people going? They're going to Astoria. I predict in the next few years, if not the next two years, uh, Astoria will be the, one of the hottest places for food in Oregon. Another great place to go for food will be Hood River. Hood River already has its own broder. It's in the Hood River hotel um i have to tell you one of the nicest restaurants i've been to in all of oregon is a place called carruthers and carruthers is on uh downtown astoria and it looks like a beautiful french restaurant uh right out of paris and it's in the middle of astoria oregon and it features uh, very uh ample entrees uh, and really great cocktails. I mean, some of the I had a, a Spanish gin and tonic, which was made with uh, rosemary and I think orange zest, and it was so good. It was just a gin and tonic with just a simple extra something else. And um, so you need to start looking at where 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 are our new Portlands, where are our new Portland foodie uh, hangouts. And I really do think Head River, which is uh, an hour away. Uh, and uh, Astray, which is two hours away. And then even Ben, which you, uh, there's some really, there's a great uh, 
Dogwood Cocktail Cabin, which is in the middle of downtown uh, Bend. It's one of the best places. It's uh, run by a guy who used to be a bartender here in Portland. Um, there's just so many different places. As far as Portland, I'm going to say uh, look towards St. John's. It seems like that's where a lot of things are starting to happen and pop and little places are uh, surviving and thriving uh, like the leisure house and uh, mock crest mock crest is probably my favorite dive bar of all and it's not really a dive bar it's just a friendly place to go listen to the blues and uh eat tater tots and uh drink slushies dude that was epic and i couldn't agree more i did a little lap i can't went through uh, astoria back around through cannon beach and i just i feel there's so and there's there's such good there's so much depth of history and story in astoria uh and uh, so what do you like i know that uh, eric uh formerly of uh, thistle uh in mcminimum uh, in mcminville yes. uh he opened uh, albatross yeah. have you been there yeah i have i have they have really good corn dogs um yeah it's a good place awesome man and of course i gotta tell you buoy uh, are those guys? I mean, there's a cup. I mean, there's a, obviously a, a ton of great beer in Oregon, but there's some people who are doing like really surgically, precisely yeah. balanced beers. To me, Bowie is at the tip top of that with Freem and Breakside and Barley Browns. But uh, I know you're a fan of Bowie, right? I've seen that. I, I love wearing Bowie shirts. Uh, uh, Bowie clothing is uh, my favorite. Bowie beer. Uh, they have this thing called Dragon Vice, which I really like, uh, and it's almost like Kool Aid. I'm not a big beer drinker, but I love Bowie. I love the attitude of Bowie. I love the atmosphere of and I love that they did a mashup with Ramsey Hattar here at River Pig Saloon in which they did an actual takeover um, of the River Pig and turned it into Bowie Beer for a, a week. And that was fun. Um, they did that for a whole week? I saw that going on up there and I thought, that's a great idea. But a whole week? Yeah, they did that previously with Lardo, uh, Bowie. They're really smart about um, knowing that there's a connection. You know, I don't know if people in Astoria love the idea that every Portlander is going down there for a vacation and taking over their town. But I know that that uh, as Portlanders, we love going down there. And uh, yeah, I would really check out, uh, if I was to check out three places in Astoria right now, I would check out um, Carruthers, uh, Bowie Beer, and uh, there's this really weird uh, seafood place called Northwest Wildlife, Wild something products, wild products or something like that. And they have razor clam dip. And they, they serve it to you with Ritz crackers. It's right on the waterfront. Dude, that sounds amazing. And uh, man, Razor clam dip. Razor clam dip. Razor clam dip, folks. Uh, once again, we're chatting with Byron Beck. It's just been such a cool uh, journey we've taken in the past hour. And uh, any uh, final, uh, like, hidden secrets in P-Town people got to check out before the end of summer? Um... Uh, I'm sure there is. Uh, what about you? You think of one real quick, and I'll try to think of one. Too. Well, I think Tusk is going to be the next big, exciting restaurant to check out over on East Burnside, to be honest with you. Uh, I like Century. I like the. Uh, I, I love um, going upstairs at Century, where you can sit on the uh, deck and kind of drink. Sorry, i got to jump in there. That's the end of the final round. This has been amazing. Thank you, Byron. I love doing, wow, one of the best conversations we've had. Folks, hope you're able to get out there and enjoy an amazing Saturday evening. Talk to you soon. Thank you.